Welcome to the Technori Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon, joining us live at WGN Radio, which is, the view is insane. Brian, I see you like taking pictures and things. Brian uh, Sappet from Track CEO, joining us here. This is a curse-free, a curse, cursing zone? Not a curse-free zone, it's a say-whatever-you-want zone. That's fucking great. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> best guest already uh how ridiculous is this backdrop by it's the way? amazing I, there's not not a better view in the city is there I, I don't think so i mean they we thought we thought we had a great at tribune tower um we this is our first time in the, you're our first podcast guest in this studio so awesome. we we do the live studio i've done it in here a couple of times the live show on saturdays we record in the other studio which has a great view but not this view uh i'm just sort of like taking aback sitting here because it's like I'm just glad it's behind me because I have ADD AF. So like literally, <laughs> if I see like anything going on in front of me, I like freak out and lose sight of everything. So uh, anyway, I, I'm losing sight of it and it's behind me. So that gives you an idea. Uh, thank you, first starters, for coming into the show. I want to uh, first talk about our mutual friend Chad. Mm-hmm. He was the one who set us up here. He's been on the show uh, at the time. He was working out of UI Labs and, and working on some stuff. How do you do? You, do you know Chad well, or did he just blindly throw you in my in my guys, he's actually our director of sales. Oh, well, that makes sense. So um, dude can sell anything. He can't. Yeah, he's a great salesman. He's a great salesman. Yeah, yeah he can. He he can make friends and yeah anywhere. He tried to sell my podcast. Did he really? Yeah, he tried. He's like, you know what? I think we can make money like more. And I'm like, we, we what the fuck is we? And he's like, well, like we have a product, and you talk to all these customers and clients, and I think that if you sold us on your show, you'd make more money. And I was like. <laughs> Referral. Dude's on my show selling me my show. <laughs> That's like, fantastic. Great salesman. Uh, anyway, thank you, Chad, for setting this up. I appreciate it. Good dude. We golfed with him uh, at the Cristo Golf uh, outing once. I think it was last year. He didn't make it this year. but uh, So this has been a little bit of a long time coming to get you in here. Uh, I don't know if you know this about me at all, uh, but I have like a tangential background in manufacturing. My uh, father has been in manufacturing his entire career at Micron Industries and uh, one of the first guests I ever had on any of my shows, it wasn't Techno at the time, was Greg Bays, uh, the head of the Illinois Manufacturing Association. Uh, I'm not going to get you in trouble with whatever your views of Greg are, but mine weren't that, weren't that great, so it wasn't the greatest experience. But that said, uh, I was very attracted to manufacturing in that space because um, it's so disruptible and data and tech and just like all the things that can be done. It's like such a game changing space. Uh, you guys are in that space, correct? Yes, we are. Which yeah. is a good, good thing. And what's sort of interesting about that comment is I've been in manufacturing technology for 18 years. And when I started sensor tracks three years ago, I didn't realize how much data could disrupt it. Even when I'm starting a company yeah. that's going to disrupt, you know, how they collect and process information. Cause almost no one does it yep. in manufacturing. Big guys do, you know, Ford, GM, Chrysler, but most manufacturers in the United States or in the world, they just don't. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Like, so, like, as a guy, like, I, I'm not crapping on Greg as a guy. He was very nice and very polite, and was and all those things on the show. Uh, the problem that we found, which is probably the problem that you found and then decided to disrupt, which was that no one was listening. Mm-hmm. We tried really hard. Uh, we, in our mind, this is uh, 2013. I want to say, uh, in our mind, we were going to be M Hub before M Hub. Uh, and I talked about this with Bill with Bill Fina on the show as well. He had more, we'll call it guts for all of our viewers, uh, had more guts to take on the establishment and challenge what is done and say, hey, there's new people who want to get into manufacturing and it's not sexy the way you guys are doing it. So we're going to make it sexy. Whether it makes a difference, we'll see. Time will tell. 
Um, but I approached him and said, listen, I know a ton of people who are really smart, young folks who are studying a lot of things in data, a lot of things in sensors, ironically, as, as this turns out for the show, um, who I think could, like, and drone as well, who could absolutely revolutionize the way things are done here. But here's the problem. None of them will ever work in your factory. None of them are ever going to work for a person who runs things the way you're running them. So we're going to have to make some major changes to even get the ball rolling here, right? And it just, I, I did not feel any reciprocation on the other side that there was a willingness to do it. So it was like, you know what? We're going to move on. We shut up, shut up the doors of what we're doing. And we literally just dropped it all together. So now when I fast forward a couple of years and I see companies like SensorTrax doing exactly like what we were hoping to create the opportunity for other people to do, it, it's like, okay, great. I, I took his words and left, but you didn't listen. You went forward. Yeah, I'm not good at listening to others. So. No, clearly I'm not. It's <laughs> host talk show. Right. Exactly. We don't listen to anybody. Um, so why don't we talk, talk a little bit about Sensor Tracks in particular, like what the business is. And then I would just love to dive in on your journey a little bit, of like how you got to this point and, uh, and how you got your listening skills to the point that they're so poor that you could start a, a disruptive manufacturing company. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we'll start with what Sensor Tracks is. So the idea is that it's the fastest, easy way, easiest way to monitor and improve manufacturing performance inside of a plant, right? So you need to be able to collect the data, you have to be able to understand the data, and you don't want to have to hire specialized people to be able to do those things, right? So the existing people that you already have, the operators and supervisors and your executives should be able to use this tool to understand how they can do more with the labor and machines that they already have. And so that's the idea behind the product. And it seems sort of revolutionary, but it's really not. I mean, you know, it's just automating all of these processes that people do today with paper and Excel, yeah. right? So, I mean, I guess the, the question, you're right. It's like one of those things where it's kind of funny. You say it, and honestly, there's like not, there's like a, like yeah. there's no big thing. It's like, it's really not like, it's pretty intuitive, mm -hmm. you would think. And yet that's an example of another thing that was kind of like flushed out and, and people were not excited about getting into it. Now it's taking over the world. I mean, the the data that you're collecting is probably in a lot of cases more valuable than the product that the sensor is actually like scanning. It's right. The, 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 the user behavior is more valuable to the bottom line of people than the actual moving of the product. Yeah. Which is completely mind blowing. Um, how did a person like, like, how did you get into that? Like what's your background on this? Are you a data nerd or are you just like, were you in manufacturing? Like what's, what's the background? Yeah. So I, it, both. So I'm a data nerd. I'm super analytical. Everything I do, I like to analyze with data. And you still have a wedding graphs. ring on, which yeah. is impressive. I yeah. do too, but I've only had it for a month. So, <laughs> I mean, there's time. My wife does the same thing. She actually, we have, we have a, a nine month old now. Right. And she tracked like every single day when she fed our first daughter <laughs> and how much she ate. And so when we had the second one, she went back and looked to see if it was close Right. Because she thought there was a problem. So that you know. this sounds like what's going to happen in my house. Yeah. So I, I'm married <laughs> to a chemistry teacher. And so even the process of of what would be this is uh, very scientific. Mm -hmm. It's very analytical. Yes. Which is, uh, I am not. Uh, I tend to like see trends and things, which is good. Uh, but generally speaking, I, I just sort of like roll out in the morning and like what happens to me today is uh, the fate that I make. <laughs> yeah. This is sort of how it goes. Um, so as a as a data nerd in this case, like. You mentioned that, that that was the beginning, and then there's also manufacturing. Like, what what was the background in manufacturing in particular? So, um, I really started out as a programmer. So, I got my first you know like corporate job when I was 23, uh, doing like a network rollout for a large residential real estate company in St. Louis. Um, I met my future ex-wife through that 
uh, job. And she ended up working at a chocolate manufacturer in St. Louis. It's called Carl Bissinger's. Nice. And they, they, she would come home every day and complain about their computer systems, right? So they would crash all the time. They had all of these problems. I'm 23 years old. I think I can conquer the world. I yeah. said, get me in front of the CEO. I can build him a system, right? I can build a complete manufacturing system to run this <laughs> So I, I got in front of him and I sold him. And believe it or not, I beat out SAP and Oracle. He bet on a 23-year-old kid to write him a custom system. Wow. So that's where my journey. Assuming the price point was yeah, I mean, slightly different. Yeah, 100 grand versus a yeah. million plus. Yeah. But uh, that was part of it. And he probably, not, not, not taking anything away from you and your sales pitch. I'm just, I'm just thinking in my head there. I'm like, that's a strange bet. <laughs> but hey. But you I know, believed it, right? I mean, well, if you, you, you have to. I mean, at this point, like then at 23 but to be totally honest like now and i don't know how old you are it doesn't really matter when you start a company like if you don't believe and you're betting on yourself that's the yeah. whole point like yeah. that's why you did this so yeah. yeah it's not inconceivable so so out of that i spun a company right so that i got a consulting agreement back with this real estate company and i i created a custom software company that ended up focusing heavily on small to medium-sized manufacturers and i own that for 18 years i mean there's a lot of things that happen over yep. 18 years we spun out some project products and sold them to other companies and in October of 2015, um, my, my partner in the business who I'd taken on in a couple of years before came to me and he, he could tell I wasn't happy and was like, I'll buy you out if you want to go do something else. Yeah. And I had already had the idea for sensor tracks and we, we had started down that road. And I said, yeah, but I want to carve this out. He said, fine. And he bought the company. He bought you know, the other company for me yep. and off we ran into sensor tracks did you were you able to take some of the the i'm hoping that there was some profit there and and roll that into start this or how did, did you guys raise raise a round to start start or like what was the what's been the process to get this off the ground yeah so it's it was taking the the profits or the proceeds from the sale of the other company and then rolling it into yeah. this one um we've raised we we did one accelerator um we wanted to know could manufacturing analytics apply to like an industrial, like a broader industrial market? So like utilities and water and all of that kind of stuff. So we did an accelerator with Amron, which is a power company, Very Southern cool. Illinois and yep. Missouri. So we got a hundred grand from that. And then um, in April, we raised half a million from a manufacturing company is actually one of our customers. Very cool. So. It's so funny. I, I love that story. I mean, it's like the, to me, that's like what Chicago should be the Chicago story. That's a, when you hear a story like that, you should be like, oh, it's a Chicago company. Mm -hmm. um, we just had a guest on uh, Swap Motors about a week ago or so. <clears throat> and they were talking about how they're in the middle of raising money. They hadn't raised for the first couple of years. They weren't getting off the ground. And, um, you know, I think the guys probably did well in business before. So it's not like the money was the, the main issue. But any, in any business, when you're trying to grow for like major like growth capital, I don't care if you're like a one or two time millionaire. Like that's not enough money to, to no. grow and scale a company. You can blow through that money real fast. Um, so at any rate, when we talked to them, what I thought was really which interesting uh, was that they had no interest in raising, they were approached and had no interest in raising capital from people uh, that, like traditional investors. They were like, we want investments from our customers. We want people who believe in what we do, uh, who can help us get in front of more people. And so I, I absolutely love the idea that you guys are getting an investment from one of your, I assume one of your bigger customers uh, who thought well enough of what you're doing to actually invest and make the product even better. Yeah. Which is sort of like, Again, like I say, it's a Chicago sign to me because we've got so many big companies around here, uh, and they're all appear to be popping up in Chicago now with, with venture groups. Uh, and it would just be great to see more activity like that and less reliance on a, like how how long has the company been up now? Since three church? years, three years. So the average company out here, eighteen months, uh, two years, whatever it is that go under, and they're raising capital like right out of the gate. And it's like you don't 
you know, I, I just don't like that. I don't know. No, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. You got to figure out. You got to figure out what kind of product you have. Who's going to buy it? Like you have to get a couple customers before you go out and raise money. Yeah. I think. The interesting thing about fundraising for us is we tried the traditional VC route. You know, we're we're from St. Louis, but obviously being so close. You know, we did the round up here with all. Despite the, the St. Louis ties, people here were still nice to you. Is oh, what yes, you're saying. Of course, we're still treating you somewhat talk, respectfully. I didn't talk about the Cardinals or anything. Yeah. Like that, so. um, but you know, we we did that, and no matter who we talked to, whether it was in Chicago on the coast, it's very hard to get people interested in in anything with the word manufacturing in it, yep. right? Whether it, we are a complete software too, but I mean, it would just be crickets. Now we're not really that interested. You're not big yep. enough, but. The second I sit down in front of some of these manufacturing companies, they offer us money and we have to turn it down. They want to invest, right? Yeah. One guy two weeks ago offered to buy the company for a pretty substantial amount of money. Um, so it's it's pretty cool. Did you keep his card at least? I did. Yeah, well, they're a customer now. So. Oh. <laughs> Do you, all right, so, so I assume that you go with, you and Chad go with it. Yeah. I would imagine that's how that goes. Uh, what So like what... Like from a tactical standpoint, what led you to the point of doing an actual investment round with a customer? Because, I mean, I talk all the time about how great I think it is, but it also comes with like a certain degree of risk as well. That like they, unlike an investor, is conditioned to take losses. Businesses usually, while they take tons of losses and write down tons of stuff, they're not so keen on like giving you 500,000 bucks and then having you just blow it down the drain. So like what is that? What has that experience been like? It. It's been very good. Uh, the experience has been good for us. Part of the reason why they wanted to invest in the company is that they're a 40-year-old manufacturing company kind of stuck in their ways. They want to see how a startup is run and the different ways that we do things. they got a board seat, right? Yep. So they get a front row seat for everything that we do. Um, and it kind of teaches them how to move a little bit faster. We got to the point of having to raise money because, I mean, essentially, I have three kids, right? And I, just like you said, yep. you know, a couple million dollar exit on a business is not enough to start yeah. another one. I no. came to the end of what I could put into it. And so it was either we, we scale way back and it's just me and I'm selling the product or we raise some money, bring on people like Chad, add, put some more money into marketing. We're going to hire some more salespeople too. Yep. And really put our foot on the gas. Yeah, so that's, that's what we had to do. That's it's a very interesting model. So, like, where do you see the growth for the company going? Is it is it in the like a simple product? Do you find this is scaling? There's add-ons. Like, what? Walk me through the business model a little bit of like how how this all works for you. Yeah. So we have we have two products. We have one that's focused on like a we call it like an end user manufacturer, but a maker of things, right? So like auto parts, plastic, you know, you you name it, any kind of thing. Um, that market is just sort of endless, right? There's companies that are getting acquired or popping up or growing in that market in the United States throughout the world all the time that can use our software. It's hundreds of thousands of them. So that market's massive that we can attack. We have to do that with a direct sales force inbound marketing, right? So it takes yep. a lot of effort. We have another product called OEM Analytics that's designed for machine manufacturers, right? So they can understand how their machines are being used by these guys making auto parts and plastics yep. and all of that stuff. But something interesting that we do there is we let those OEMs resell the product and they can actually brand it under their own brand name. So now all of a sudden we have people that have huge market reach inside of a specific industry, right? So like food and medical devices and stuff like that, selling your products to companies they've been serving for like 20 years. Yeah. So you just turn the, turn your initial customers into salespeople. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So that's those are the different ways that we're going to scale this. And they should they should feed off of each other over time. Manufacturing is... They're fast followers, right? Yep. So once you get a bunch of proof points and people know who you are, they'll all come rushing in. It's uh, it's funny you mentioned that. They are fast followers, but they're the slowest adopter, which is just like, I don't, I, I really, I don't 
to this date, I don't understand how Chicago lost its grip on, on what we had here in manufacturing. It was massive. And, I, and it's it, it really, for those listening who are familiar with the space, we've never had a brighter future again, I guess you should say, than we do right now because of like the M-Hubs and the UI Labs and, and the, the groups that are taking a tech approach to it. Uh, I think the the old school manufacturers who like to to like you know frow their brow or whatever the hell when they look at people, that you guys owe the the last five of your career to you tech people yeah. who are giving them space. Yeah. And like they look at the I, I walk into meetings and I see these guys, these not making fun of old people by any stretch, but just like these older folks that have been in this industry for so long and like you guys are disrupting what I do, and I want to be like, dude, they're letting you retire, like. For all intents and purposes, if you were in any other industry, your ass would be on the street. You get to retire because of people like like Brian who are coming in here building technology that makes you, makes the margins tenable, which is incredible. Um, you know, yeah. we're, we're seeing a lot of is you know a lot of manufacturers, medium size, you know, hundred million dollar plus companies, they're family businesses, right? Mom or dad are running this thing. Yep. They're seventy years old. They're close to retirement. And a lot of times there's a kid, one of the sons or daughters is ready to take over. And we talk to a lot of them and they're like, we're just waiting for my dad to retire and then we're going to do all of this stuff. Right. And so we're seeing a lot of that. And then for the companies that don't have sons or daughters that want to come in and take over, a lot of the private equity companies really push tech. Right. Some of them are hands off, but a lot of them are like, you really need to create a lot of efficiency here so we can spin you out again in five years. So they're pushing a lot of that. So I think we're almost reaching a tipping point of manufacturing adopting this technology much, i agree with you I, I think i mean quickly. i can't like i'm still gun shy from like it's like i said it's like a five-year hiatus so i'm still like a little gun shy about getting in into like the old school manufacturers but i have to say like the companies that i have fallen in love with over the last three or four years with the technology and just the startups that we've been working with are your kind of companies are the companies that that take what have forever been like rock i mean I'm not saying they're good margins, but like rock solid, like it's the same shit, right? Yeah. It's this thing costs X to, to field. It costs Y to produce costs, you know, Z to sell it. Like this is what it is. Um, and building technology that can literally strip all of those numbers away and increase your margins by 60, 70, 80%. And you're like, what? And you went from a company that was a nobody, not a nobody like to your family, or whatever. It's like, it's a very respectable company, $10 million company, making money, employs 10, 15 people, whatever. It's great to like a billion dollar company because you literally can just make explosive revenue now. And then of course all the P firms are just, you know, going crazy over it. So yeah. I think we're, we're kind of to your point. We're really enter. I think you're right. We're, we're entering a position, whether it's because tech has become ubiquitous enough or because the, the founders kids are finally like just quite old enough that they're like, all right, dad, that's enough. Like you're off. Like before you ruin this, seriously, go like, yeah. <laughs> get, get out of here. Um, very cool. What would be any advice you have just for founders who are getting into the manufacturing space in general? I mean, like I, they come in here, I tell them my story and then they run. <laughs> How do we get them back? It, I, I would say that, you know, based on our experience, I mean, I can only talk from that, like traditional VCs probably not going to look at you. The seed funds aren't going to really look at yep. you. If you need to raise money, go find good customers that have deep pockets and ask them. It's always really better to have customers product. who are rich. Yep. Is always better. It just is. <laughs> and I, they like, pay their bills. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. And the and the pay cycle. Yeah. Is you know it's nice and meaty. It's a good one. I like it. Uh, Brian, where do people go to learn more about the company? And uh, is there anything to follow you? Do you have blogs? Do you guys write about stuff? What What's the deal? Yeah, we have a blog that's pretty active. It's focused on you know improving manufacturing performance with yep. data. Sometimes my opinions. Um, 
The uh, sexiest topic on earth right now. Exactly. How do you improve your manufacturing <laughs> with data? But sensor-tracks.com. Very cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, for taking the time. Come in and tell Chad. Uh, got to see him again sometime soon. And if you guys ever want me to sell your business through my show, uh, the offer is still on we the table. We can talk about that. The offer is on the table. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you. You can catch this episode of more at technori.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at technori. And you can follow me at Katoon on everything social, and you can check out our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, but more particularly, you can listen to us on Spotify as of today. So check it out. Boom. That's a wrap.